Hello and welcome to this EPP online event here at the European Parliament uh, in Strasbourg. We're talking about Russia's invasion of Ukraine, uh, how the European Union should be reacting to that. Uh, joining us is Anders Kubilius of Lithuania, Hello. a member of European Parliament with the EPP Group, uh, Foreign Affairs Committee, Chair of the Delegation to the Euronest Parliamentary Assembly, that includes uh, Ukraine, uh, and the Delegation to the EU-Russia a parliamentary Cooperation Committee. Michael Galler, welcome, uh, of Germany, um, on the Committee on Foreign Affairs and on the Subcommittee on Security and Defense. And for those of you, uh, to please do keep in mind uh, that the uh, at EPP group is the handle for this if you have anything to cast wider on the social networks. I'd like to start out uh, with uh, Michael because, Michael, I interviewed you on the steps of the European Parliament uh, recently when there was in, in and that was in uh, in Brussels when there was that uh, demonstration or the show of support for Ukraine. It was a, quite a momentary uh, uh, demonstration of unity among all the parties uh, that, that I saw there. And you were there with your with this T-shirt. Right. How yes. how was that feeling there about and, and, and how uh, Madame Metzola, the, the, par the parliament president, uh, talked about uh, how we do need to take stronger action uh, against Russia. I mean, it is a moment of, of great emotion. I mean, those who are dealing with the country closer and understanding rapporteur in the parliament on this country. And uh, so having to face this threat, not only threat, this aggression, this invasion, and then having the feeling, you know, we all belong together, including the Ukrainians that were around there as well. I think that was such a uh, a moment of togetherness and devotion and uh, every positive feeling was coming for this country at this moment. And Andros, you were there as well. I saw you there. Uh, what was your feeling as well? And, and, and how can this hopefully translate into stronger action by the European Union? Well, first of all, of course, uh, this is terrible what uh, Putin waged against Ukraine. You know, it's a criminal war and, and everything else. And that feeling really is, is one of the very strong feelings. Second, of course, Ukrainians are you know, showing uh, heroism, which perhaps not everybody was expecting you know, from them in, in Europe. You know. and, and the last point is that really Europe is showing you know, incredible unity and effectiveness, which again, you know, being being inside of the parliament, being you know, knowing sometimes our very very slow bureaucracy, you know, yeah. uh, and, and, and the fact that, that that Mr. Putin wants to divide Europe, and he, yeah. and he failed in so, what he did. Absolutely, you know, and and Europe really, perhaps surprised, you know, itself first of all, you know, and and the world, you know, with its uh, unity and effectiveness and decisions which were made. Still, a lot of decisions we shall need to make, you know, yeah. both, you know, in, to support Ukraine, but also, you know, to, to introduce new sanctions on, on, on Russia, on Putin, in order, you know, to convince him to stop the war. But, uh, you know, definitely, I would say, you know, after the war, we shall see both, you know, different uh, European Union, different, you know, Ukraine, of course, which will become much closer to Europe, you know. And I hope that we shall see also, even, you know, different Russia. Now, the, uh, this week here in the European Parliament uh, in, uh, in Strasbourg, we, we heard from the Estonian Prime Minister, Kaya Kalas, uh, saying that Europe finds itself in the greatest period of insecurity since 1939, and she is the child of deportees uh, to Siberia. Uh, she is calling for uh, tougher 
tougher sanctions, tougher action, including cutting Russia from ties with international organizations. What do you think, Mikhail? Well, indeed, we must, must now be efficient. It must have its effect. The, the ones that we have already introduced have a certain effect. Indeed, we see, I mean, in the daily life of Russians, I mean, if you don't have as a young Russian or as an elderly one, if you don't have your uh, Facebook anymore, you don't have your Twitter, you don't have your McDonald's where you might perhaps be going or other things that are in, in, and all your shops where you are going are closed. Uh, and that will have an impact. That is the one thing uh, on perhaps thinking, starting to think, why is that? That is the one aspect. But the other point is, of course, it must hurt hard uh, the economy, the structures, and uh, thereby uh, make them hopefully at some point reconsider their position. And um, we definitely, and that is my opinion, uh, currently I see that there is not this unanimous appetite to to have the full boycott of oil and gas and coal. Mm. My forecast is within the next two weeks, and especially with what God forbid if really the brutality of the war might increase with carpet bombings and, yeah. and, and all that, I think there will be uh, a decision in this regard. Perhaps not yet uh, now, but I would advocate it definitely. Well, I'm still along, but we'll get to more on sanctions, but but also the idea about international organization. I'm curious about that because uh, Manfred Weber, who is the, uh, the head of the EPP group, has called uh, for uh, Russia to be kicked out of Interpol, for instance. What do you think? Uh, other organizations? Uh, how far should that go, Andrus? Well, first of all, those organizations were created, you know, what I would call for civilized, you know, world for civilized countries. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you know, Russia under the leadership of Putin, you know, definitely is, is not such a country. So that is why it was, you know, stopped or kicked out. I don't know even how to say it, you know, from, you know, next, next door from Council of Europe, you yeah. know. That was done, you know, the question is, uh, you know, can Russia stay, you know, in Security Council of the United Nations? And such organizations like Interpol and others, you know, definitely, you know, simply they cannot operate when somebody inside of such an organization, you know, is, is really behaving in such a brutal way, in a criminal way, you know, in terrorist way. So that's pretty, pretty, you know, clear clear point why why we need to stop the you know, presence in those organizations. And actually yeah. abusing the, the purpose of an sure. organization, sure. Uh, yeah. uh, issuing arrest warrants against political opponents and not For international example. criminals. Yeah? So, uh, I mean, that is what we have witnessed. And in so far, the purpose of, the, uh, of an organization like Interview must be preserved and not abused or instrumentalized also for domestic uh, persecution of, mm -hmm. of, of, of opponents, for instance. So we've seen that. We've also seen the uh, uh, reducing financial ties, reducing commercial ties. But what about this aspect of oil and gas and, and that Euro the European Union is very, very heavily dependent uh, on uh, Russian oil and gas. And, and now the European Union or the European Commission has uh, said that they do want to reduce that by two thirds by the end of the year. Is that realistic? Well, uh, you know, I, I hope that, you know, during uh, next days, you know, the council will make some important decisions. Maybe, you know, step by step, maybe first of all, you know, introducing, you know, embargo on oil and, and coal, gas, you know, for a later period of time. But I absolutely agree with Mikhail that during next, you know, week or two weeks that will be done. 
uh, especially when Americans and, and Brits, you know, as we understand from yesterday, you know, statements, they introduced full embargo. So commission yesterday produced some, some papers, some proposals, how, how, you know, in, in the longer term till the end of this year, you know, some, some dependency can be cut. But uh, also, as I saw in that communication from commission, uh, Commissioner Simpson, who is responsible for uh, energy, she declared in a very clear way that for this winter season, which is coming to the end, right. we have enough of uh, gas reserves, you know, in, in our storage. So it's not for the problem with this, with, with this season. And, right. you know, and we need to understand why that embargo is so important. It's a moral obligation because each day now when the prices for, you know, energy resources, which are buying from Russia, increase very, 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 you know, uh, very heavily, we're paying each day 600 million. Mm. You know, we all Europeans, you know, for energy resources into into Putin's pocket. Yeah. And I asked, you know, some military experts from Ukraine how much costs, you know, one Russian tank which they are destroying, you know, each day. So one tank costs allowed around of 1.5 million euros. So it means that each day we are paying for 400 new tanks. <laughs> now, fortunately, it doesn't get hold of it yeah, immediately. So, <laughs> so, so that's the, of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but in general, yeah, no, this yeah, is yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what what is our moral question, you know. Right. Right. But but I mean, the feasibility also because the, the prices keep going up and and we have a general public that is uh, already upset with the prices the way they are. And this could this could aggravate that. Yeah, definitely. No, it's 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 a problem which we need to see as, as some kind of, you know, as a crisis coming coming on, on, you know, into European economies. But we know what to do with a crisis. You know, we just recently we had, for example, pandemic. And as a first at the very beginning, it was, you know, very, very very, you know, black forecast that it will kill our economies. So here was very clear European reaction immediately, you know, to create a special recovery fund. The first time Europe went into, you know, into the financial markets and borrowed uh, quite a big amount of money. Yeah. And those money were spent exactly, you know, to, to stabilize economies. And, and, and that, that gave, you know, very, very, very good result. So why not to use the same, you know, technology, financial technology, mm. To create some kind of, you know, fund, special fund or whatever, you know, which would, you know, subsidize, you know, yeah. those, you know, economies which are, you know, hit by, by, by this, you know, new crisis. And that would allow us, you know, not to, not to think so much about, you know, that we are so dependent on, on Putin that we need to, to, you know, to continue paying into his pocket, you know, when, when Ukrainians are dying in the, in the battlefield. That's true, but there are, there are limits to that, aren't there, uh, Mikhail? Yeah, but I think there is another idea. If we see how much more tax income our governments have through this hike of the prices, because there is a lot of taxes on oil and gas and all that. Mm -hmm. And that could be without having at the end lesser than in the planned budget. You have a certain amount of taxes, income through the mineral tax, the oil taxes or whatever there is. Yeah. And, and if the prices are hiking to such an extent, they can give it back to the citizens and, and produce some relief uh, and, and without having lesser than the planned taxes on the income side. I think that should also be under uh, investigated from different governments. And that is what the individual governments have at their exposure. Uh, uh, that, but they can decide they don't need even the European level for that. So that could be an additional uh, aspect. What about the humanitarian aspect? And, and this is something I, I saw Associated Press reporting today that 430,000 residents of besieged Mariupol, that's the port city in the south, are in desperate need of food, water, and medicine, and it's getting worse and worse. What can the EU do about that? 
Well, uh, first of all, you know, the best uh, solution would be to stop the war. No, and uh, and that's what what you you know really is is trying to achieve. Second, of course, you know we need to push you know international community and and try to convince you know Putin if that's possible that humanitarian corridors would be open. You know both for delivery of of you know needed needed supply and also for for you know for civilians to leave you know those surrounded uh, cities. So far, he's offering only or mainly uh, corridors. To Russia and not and Belarus, right? Yeah, that's that's what what they are doing. You know, still, still, you know, it's really, you know, beginning of the war. It's really total, you know, humanitarian catastrophe. And without, you know, definitely without any 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 guilty either on Ukrainian side or on the Western side. Why why Putin decided to start this war is, is something you know, absolutely you know, not understandable. That is really a criminal, you know, war. That is why, you know, I, I am absolutely sure that Putin will go into, you know, international uh, tribunal at the end. Mm. But for time being, people are suffering. Really, people yeah. are suffering. You know, it's not only in the battlefield, but also in the cities. Millions of them, you know, are, are trying to leave, you know, with their families, with their kids, you know, refugees yeah. into into Europe. We we definitely this is our moral obligation to take all of them. But, you know, people in those, you know, cities like Mariupol or Kherson, definitely they are suffering very, very heavily. Yeah. Particularly uh, this city of Mariupol touches me personally because mm. five weeks ago I was there with colleagues, five weeks ago and before in summer in August. Mm. So we saw a lively city with, well, normal people who were going about their daily businesses and were having a, a, a beach uh, stay and uh, stayed at the beach in summer mm. and now in winter they were living a normal life and to see this very city shows the extent of atrocity and and incredible criminal energy that we see from this Russian dictator and that especially this city touches me personally thinking what about those people that I saw some weeks ago yeah. where are they yeah. now and that shows our obligation to push and uh, and uh, to in the right direction with sanctions with political pressure to get uh, this dictator back to senses okay well, and 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 what about the the refugee situation what what more should be done to assist them we see on 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 a local level on a national level how much more on a uh, european union level should there be help for for the refugees whatever is needed i you know really i can i can praise again uh, you know all eu you know institutions commission you know they are really doing what what is needed uh, you know i can praise also you know the governments of the of the neighboring countries you know which are taking uh, all the needed measures to to allow those people you know to get uh, some some shelter you know and and to move forward ngos you know individual people in europe you know are doing everything you know uh, i i am getting you know family into my house in vilnius you know so that's what 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 is needed to be done you know and but of course the biggest the biggest you know service to all of those peoples would be to stop the war immediately. Yeah. I have a question from uh, one of the viewers, Jean-Pierre Audi, asking, don't you think the time has come to propose a peace plan? What kind of peace plan? What do you think, Michael? Well, any peace plan must include, of course, the withdrawal of Russian troops, the unconditional withdrawal. There can be no peace with Russian troops on Ukrainian soil. There should be uh, a peace plan perhaps 
guided or guarded by by the United Nations that they, they would provide the platform where they can sit could also be the OECE. I mean, Russia is a member of the OECE, has subscribed to everything uh, uh, that they should abide by. Um, and uh, uh, but talks and and genuine. Um, uh, genuine uh, talks uh, are needed and I would say we need foreign presence on the ground, be it the OSCE, be it uh, United Nations uh, peacekeepers to, to uh, see to it that uh, the atrocities stop, that the supply is uh, for, for the people is guaranteed and that uh, uh, an organized withdrawal of the Russian troops uh, should happen and not, so to say, not with a revolver on your head to, mm. to accept a capitulation. That is yeah. not the way. Now, um, there's a lot of talk about to what extent uh, should Ukraine insist on keeping its right to join NATO, to join the European Union. Uh, Lithuania is now long part of the European Union and uh, part of NATO. Um, what do you think, Andrus, on this? I mean, could maybe backing off on that request bring an end, a, a way out for the Russian government to pull out? Well, uh, you know, first of all, we need to understand that the problem which we have, you know, with this war is not the problem of Ukraine. It's a problem of Russia under Putin. And Putin and his surrounding, you know, needs to understand what is an alternative to peace. Now, an alternative to peace is, you know, very simple. You know, Russia is losing the war on the you know, Ukrainian uh, territory to Ukrainian militaries with support from EU, from the West, you know, mainly with, with the guns provided, you know. And second, you know, they are losing, you know, the economy to the sanctions of uh, the West. So, and our, my position would be very simple, you know. In Kremlin and around the Kremlin, they need to understand that either they are choosing peace and they are surrendering, and that is, you know, their capitulation should be what we need to discuss, or those sanctions which now are introduced and which are increasing, you know, like embargo and so on, will stay, like Mikhail have said, till the last Russian soldier will leave, you know, occupied territories in, in, in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And not only those which were occupied now, like Kherson or Mariupol, you know, surrounded or, or Chernobyl, but also those which were occupied back in 2014, sure. like Donetsk, sure. Lugansk, and Crimea. And, and Crimea. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I think th certainly we see or hear suggestions Ukraine should become neutral yeah. or Finlandized. Yeah. Uh, well, I have to say, uh, looking at the recent history, in 2014, Ukraine was a member of the movement of, uh, of the Bloc Free Movement. Mm -hmm. So they were neutral. Group of 77, I think, right? Or, well, uh, maybe something else, but, yeah. but, but they were neutral. And I think it was even in their constitution. It didn't help them take Crimea and Donny was taken away. Yeah. So uh, earlier they gave up their nuclear weapons and Russia subscribed together with the US. We guarantee your borders and your sovereignty. Mm -hmm. It didn't help them. So right. uh, even guarantees from Russia or a neutral status didn't help them because it's not about weapons. It's not about uh, a, a threat from NATO as he pretends. It's about a threat from the very way we organize society. He's afraid of democracy. That is the real problem and that will not get away as long Putin is there. He is the dictator, he is the Stalinist or some may even call him a fascist. All these negative things that we have seen in history, he behaves in astonishing parallelly, parallel to well, what we have seen before. In, in fact, I mean, his, his rationality is, is in question, isn't it? I mean, uh, how do you deal with somebody like that? 
who it doesn't even look like he's acting rationally, then, then how do you act in the face of that? And, and you faced down the Soviets uh, in your younger days. Well, uh, it's of course, perhaps, well, we can try to compare, but it's different. And really, you know, I would, uh, I would definitely, you know, call into the question, you know, you know, mental, you know, order, you know, of, of Putin, you know, as, as one of the problems. And, you know, and then you have really, you know, leader of the country, which perhaps have some, some, you know, problems of that sort. And he has nuclear. Yeah. No. And that's, that makes, you know, everybody around really, you know, the question when, when somebody is asking me, you know, can you predict what will be next steps? I'm saying, you know, we need to ask a medical doctor who is specializing in, in, in that field, you know, to ask what, what can be the well, behavior. And, and that's exactly why uh, the calls by many Ukrainians for a no-fly zone yeah. are being rejected by the West because, for exactly that reason, because he's, he has nukes and, and he's not rational. He doesn't seem to be rational. Well, uh, from an international law point of view, there is a right, Article 51 of the UN Charter, there's a right to individual and collective self-defense. So from this point of view, we could join Ukraine in defending them, but it would make uh -huh. us part it would make us part of a war. Yeah. We are then on one side. And that is, of course, having this Russia, this Russia particularly, uh, with its irrationality and uh, uh, which will get us definitely uh, into unpredictable, uncharted waters. So that is why we are uh, shying away from that, also looking at these MiG-25 yeah. issue, yeah. where uh, there is, of course, the wish, I would wish them all the to have to have to have that and they would be uh, re refurbished or repainted and with the U ukrainian flag and with ukrainian pilots but they would have to leave somewhere nato territory and perhaps something in between so that one couldn't argue that it's coming from nato to ukraine yeah. it's a bit difficult geographically but uh, uh, i wouldn't exclude at this stage especially when it is about huge scale bombings and that sort of that is really dramatic development if it were so that we couldn't stand and prevent it from from having them now we are not there yet yeah and uh, but we'll have to see okay um i guess maybe a couple final words i mean we could go on on this but yeah. uh it's um what's the next step andrus what do we do well i would say yeah the west should should be stronger i really i i don't uh, accept this you know language from the west you know uh, some kind of, you know, fear of said world war, whatever. Of course, everybody is, is you know, afraid of that. Mm. But the question is, you know, what can convince Putin? I would say, you know, strength of our position, no strong language, no, no language of, you know, fear from our side. That what can convince, you know, at least if not Putin, then surrounding around him, uh, around him, you know, that it's time to stop the war because they are losing this war. That is what we, we need to send a very clear message both on territory of Ukraine, with the assistance of the West. I hope that with a no-fly zone and on economy, which is, you know, really our sanctions are, are hitting very heavily. Mm. And that is what, you know, they need to understand. So that's, that should be our position. How much longer do we wait before we take more assertive action as you are suggesting? Well, we should, we must continue to deliver weapons. Uh, as many as they can take and as they need. That is the immediate thing. And uh, with regard to the sanctions, also I would look at 
those all those oligarchs who are safely in the West, mm. that we should really freeze their assets and only deliver them once also in connection with, with an end of this war. I mean, we need to push also on those supporters and uh, uh, of the system and profiters of the system that they say, if we connect our fate with this guy in the Kremlin, it's the end of us as well. And that is perhaps one rational way of uh, overcoming this situation. And I'm not speculating how this will end uh, on the Russian side. Hopefully rational minds can determine the outcome. Thank you very much, Mikhail Gala to Andrus Kovilius. And thanks to all of you for watching. Uh, keep in mind, EPP at EPP Group for uh, anything you would like to cast wider from this uh, conversation. Um, and EPPGroup.eu for any further information. My name is Chris Burns. See you next time.